Welcome to episode number 14 of the Grab Blogger podcast. This is the podcast where helping academics build online businesses using blogging, podcasting, and video, creating side hustles, creating online research companies, and really going to make their own dent in the world through creating online businesses. Today's episode, we have a very special guest, Dr. Gaius Augustus. Gaius, welcome to the show today. Thank so I really appreciate Gaius' time because this, this is the second time we record this interview. I, on I think episode number fifty of a whole of all the podcasts I recorded, I finally forgot to press the record button, so we lost that one, and we're we're doing it again today. So I do appreciate taking time to go through it again, guys. No. <laughs> well, the first one was pretty good, but we're going to try to top it. So today's episode, today's topic, we're talking about how to grow a brand and generate freelance income. Uh, Guys has a, a bachelor in integrative studies with a focus on chemistry and biology. He trained in fine arts and television prior to getting into his bachelor degree, and he's recently obtained a PhD in cancer biology from the University of Arizona. Today, Guys is a multimedia science communicator. He's helping students and researchers simplify their science. So he's really my go-to resource uh, on visuals, on animations, on graphics, on all that sort of stuff that looks really nice and the things that I'm not that really that good at. Uh, you can catch him at guysjaugustus.com. And in this episode, we'll be talking about building a personal brand and generating freelance income. So I got a, a behind-the-scenes look of this whole process with Gaius. He was part of the Grab Blogger Accelerator program that we had earlier in the year, three-month coaching program where we set goals, held accountability, and really went through the process of, of building this up from having an online website to creating a personal brand uh, and we went through building a course, and and then in the end, guys end up generating quite a bit of freelance income out of the the coaching program as well. So I got to see that whole background, and I really wanted to bring that on as a case study today to share the the lessons learned that that guys had on this journey. So, guys, maybe a great place to jump in is what is your your online business today? If you can share just a little bit about your entrepreneurship journey. Sure, sounds good. So uh, my online business today, as Chris mentioned, is guysjaugustus.com, and it's really a multimedia science communication business. On one side, it's a place where I make art, uh, infographics, illustrations, graphical abstracts, animations, you know, anything you could think of. And really the point of all of it is to help make science more visual so that it's more accessible. But I, um, the other side of it is that I actually run workshops and do training to help others make their science more visual as well. And so... So far, that's focused on infographics, but I'm hoping to build that out to just help people create visuals to make science more accessible for all. Awesome. As I mentioned, if you go check out guys, Jay Augustus, which we'll, we'll put in the show notes at grabblogger.com slash 14 for this episode, now that we're re-recording it, you'll, just, you'll see as soon as you land on the front page how, how good the animations are, how good the, the graphics are, and get it really a feel for, for guys's own how he how he ties artwork, how he ties fine art into online communication and into science communication. Through the coaching program, we went through a number of things and we obviously won't be able to cover them all in the, this half an hour podcast, but sort of broke them into three components. The first big chunk was around personal branding. And the second big chunk was around building and, and selling an online course. And then the, the one that was a surprise for me, and I don't know if it's a surprise for, for guys, for Dr. Augustus, because he's so good at kind of art in that, but it was freelance income generation for these commissioned pieces of, of work that he's doing. We'll get into that towards the end of this episode. So if you want even more reason to stick around to the end, you can you can 
stick around for that because it's a it's a really great discussion. So when we jumped in, can you go through just the the process that we went through at the the very start of the coaching program and the topics that we discussed around personal branding? Uh, the first thing that we did when we were working on um, getting started was trying to identify goals that are you know specific and that were reasonable and also things that we could actually measure. And that I think was probably the most important thing. And one of the first things that I came in wanting to do was to create a course. Like I was saying, I was interested in helping others to create infographics and things like that. And I wasn't sure where to start because one of my other goals that I didn't quite know at the time, and you actually, Chris, helped me figure this out, was the idea of improving name recognition. You quoted me, and I do have it in front of you, but uh, and you brought this up several times throughout the accelerator program uh, that, you know, very early on, I said, nobody knows who I am. Why would they buy something from me? Yeah, I wrote down that quote. That might have been our first meeting. That was that was one quote. And I just I wrote down my notes, quote, nobody knows me. So why should they pay for this course? Um, can't get people to contact me about projects, contact me about projects. So we started talking about well, how do you sell a course? And we'll, we'll get into some of the things that we did there that maybe are are contrary to some of the things that you're hearing, you know, in the online digital marketing space. But the big point that I had was really being seen as the best resource in the world for your topic, which is where where guys is is really going to be headed, opens all those opportunities. And then you can create a course, then you can do consulting. And so we really hammered down probably for the first month of that on this this personal branding side. What are what are some of the things that came up through that process that we looked at for for just building a personal brand. If you were to now tell somebody today, you know, they want to be known for something, what what should they start doing? Well, I think definitely uh, when you start, you have to have reasonable goals. And we tackled so much just in the beginning of that, that, you know, I came in thinking of this goal of, you know, creating this course and thinking it would have all these other effects. But I wasn't really thinking of the other, of the brand building as part of it. And so one thing that um, I think was really helpful in that was the idea that you can work on that stuff first. And so some of the things that we worked on were content creation, so building uh, blog posts or videos, um, improving just brand recognition in general, um, like social media, as well as just reach and on social media. And then something that I didn't know that we were going to improve, but we definitely did, was improving sales. Uh, and that's all in addition to just this first plan that I had, which was, okay, well, I'm going to do this course. Yeah. And the questions that people normally come with to me about when they want to create a course are, are very similar to the ones you had. Technology, should I do it on Teachable? What platform do I need? How do I record vid? Well, you didn't need to know how to record video because you're an expert at that. But <laughs> um, th- those are sort of the questions. And it's like, well, we need to take a step back. Who knows you and what do they know you for? And I mean, if you if you were in the place where you needed some money today, then maybe you could create this course and launch it. But if you have a little bit of a runway, a little bit of a time frame, then you can really start, well, okay, how can I make myself the best? So one of the meetings I remember, I was asking how the content creation was going, creating these posts, and we rattled off some ideas and you had this sort of list, but it was, it was a little bit of a struggle. Uh, and I remember we talked through and I asked you, well, have you... What do you have? Like you've you've said to think about the things you have in your repertoire today, and you said, "Well, I had this this physical course that I actually have delivered to universities, the students, and I have another course that's this really big thing, like a multi-day 
multi-section, multi-module type course. And we talked through and really said, well, can we can we release this as pod or not as podcast episodes, but as blog posts? And when we did that, we had 50 or 75 different pieces of, uh, of content, different titles that you could actually use to create this around. I think it was kind of freeing or it seemed freeing from, from watching you from the outside. Say, hey, I had this big list. And you're actually almost kind of working towards your course content as you go. And then you just took off. You started writing all the time, started sharing. Social media was, was big. I kept challenging, how many people can you get back from social media this week? How many people can you get back from social media this week? Definitely. And I think that in a lot of senses, I was holding back content because I didn't know what order. And I, and I really didn't understand that I had content that I could use somewhere else. And once we thought about that from a standpoint of, well, you have this content, let's just transform it into another, uh, so into another type. So from a visual in-person course, you, how do you get across that same information in blog posts, uh, and share it that, yeah, I, I'm still working through that list. It's it's been great. Well, yeah, I mean that's you need the list. So where I normally tell people to start is is what I what I'm now calling random topic blogging RTB. We talked about it in Grab Blogger podcast episode episode eight actually the podcast, and that's going through like textbooks in your field, going through Amazon, looking at tables of contents, getting ideas of stuff that's already been successful. You know, if somebody's written a textbook about it, that's things that people need to know. I'm actually moving towards almost writing the story of your life. If you could come up with a table of contents of you are five years from now or 10 years from now and your business is successful and you're writing your kind of autobiography going back, what chapters would be contained in that? And that's what I've started doing for these podcast episodes, not necessarily case studies, but the solo ones is I'm thinking, okay, 10 years from now when I, or well, a couple of years from now when I write a book about this or if I want to write a book, what chapters are in there? What do I know? And and then start pulling those out. And it kind of gives you a more cohesive set than this, this random topic blogging. That's the same sort of thing you had when you pulled this out from the, the course that you had already constructed in your mind. Um, yeah, it's a really powerful way to look at it. So on the personal branding side, you shared with me a, a quote or actually a story that was really enlightening um, in the last episode. And I just want to make sure it got back to the community because uh, for a while, you can see feel that this isn't really working, right? You're sharing on your social media, you're sharing, you're getting more people back to your website, but what is it actually doing? Um, do you, the story I'm thinking of is is uh, somebody mentioning you at a conference, but do you know which one I'm talking about? Yes, I definitely do. Can, can you walk us through that? And, and it might be interesting for the listeners as well. Yeah, because I think the question you had asked me, and I'm paraphrasing, was just like, when did you feel like you had met your goal? Or when did you feel like you were doing well? Um, and that your branding was what was doing well. And, you know, I've been, so I've been doing a lot. Uh, I went, I think from 700 followers, I'm about 2000 now, um, in, you know, a rather short period of time. Um, it's been a couple months and, you know, I'm doing pretty well. I've made some good sales, but I'm still growing and I'm still giving myself goals that I haven't reached yet. Right. But, um, I recently, I do, uh, I started doing this thing where every time someone signs up for your mailing list, which I've started to actively grow, uh, every time someone starts, uh, joins, I send them a message and just thank them for joining and uh, ask them what they'd like to see more of. And it happened that one day, uh, somebody who was one of my first two commissions that I got online 
uh, joined my mailing list and I messaged and I was like, oh, well, thank you so much for joining. It's great to see you again. I would love to hear what you'd like to see more of. Um, and she emailed me back and said that she was interested in science art and hearing the the, the new stuff that's, that's happening there. But then she said that she had been at a uh, SciComm conference that I wasn't at. And she had been, she was in what she said was a big group of people who were all talking about integrating art into uh, their science communication. And she said, every single person there who was on Twitter knew exactly who I was. And I just like, it was one of those emails where I couldn't answer for a couple of days because I didn't know how to answer because it was just so, it floored me. I was like, I can't believe that my branding is that recognizable at this point. I'm still feeling like I'm working on that a lot. So I was just, I'm still kind of like in awe of that email because it's just, it's great. I'm, I'm really, really happy because that's exactly where I want to be. Yeah, personal branding, I've heard this quote before, is, is what people say about you when you're not in the room. And that story highlights it exactly. And that's really a good, you know, that's a tipping point, right? You get to the point where other people are now communicating about you and sharing. And I, I got to tell you, it's probably a lot harder in your field um, in visualizing science where there, there probably is a little more people. But for most, most PhD topics, it doesn't take much. <laughs> I mean, my, my PhD is in dust explosions. I've dustsafetyscience.com, which is my, my research company. You know, it's, it's my sole business besides Grablogger, which is a, which is much smaller compared to that. But I have that now all people will send me on their phone, a presentation that they're, they're attending in Europe or in Germany or in, um, Western Canada or wherever. Um, they'll take a picture and they have, you know, they'll have a picture of me on their slide deck or they'll have my website on their slide deck. Hey, uh, they're mentioning you at in Munich this week at the dust safety days or I don't know, whatever it is. And it's like, wow, it's just it's such a powerful thing. If you're willing to start putting yourself out there to create great material, I mean you got to create great material. That's kind of the price of admission, but then if you're willing to actually press send to ship that into the world, I mean we've we've shown it in this case study with you, we've shown it in the case study with me and dust explosions. In a lot of fields, I think this is really obtainable and it's it's a matter of showing up. Uh, you were posting every day, not, not, not selling every day, but posting useful information every day. I think you're, you weren't even, you're not even necessarily posting links back to your website all the time. And you're actually, you've, you've grown quite a bit on the social media side from just watching you over the last three, four months. You're almost seem to get people rallied up around this topic of art, how to be an artist and still be a scientist, how to simplify your art. Um, and I'm excited to see where that goes. Yeah, me too. And I, I want to, just mention that um, I feel like I I have these goals and you know when you hear someone say something like oh yeah I was at a conference and people knew you it really also makes you think oh no like I have to get more content up because I'm not where I want to be uh, my goal was to get through this uh, this workshop that I had done and get all the kind of content up for that workshop and I'm nowhere close because there's so much content. And now I'm just like, oh no, like I have to catch up somehow. But uh, but it's good to have all of that. But it's also this kind of idea that you never really feel like you're prepared for it. Well, uh, that's I mean that's just imposter syndrome, and <laughs> it's it doesn't matter where you get to. Yeah, I know. I have people email me say I don't have a master's. Um, should I? You know, can I start a science blog? I don't have a PhD. Can I start a science blog? I tell them, well, that that feeling you have of not being adequate, 
once you get your master's, you're going to feel that same way about not having a PhD. Once you get your PhD, you're going to feel that same way about not having five years of industry experience under your belt. Once you get five years of industry experience under your belt, you're going to have that same feeling because you're an introvert instead of an extrovert or an extrovert instead of an introvert. You'll, you're going to find that next pressure point regardless of where you are. The trick, if you want self-development to keep pushing yourself in this online business space, is to take that next action anyway, uh, which you were, you were a king at. So that, that was uh, more on personal branding than I, I thought we'd cover, but it's a really important topic and it's really a starting point, especially for graduate students. I like it because you're not, you're not pushing for sales right away. You don't have to. You can kind of build this community, build authority in your space, make connections, get to know people. That's really, if you do that for a year before you ever launch anything online um, or even a month before you launch anything online, you know, you can have great results. So the second thing we talked through was this course. And this was really the, the goal that you came to the coaching program with or that we discussed at the front. I want to launch a course. What technology do I need? How do I do all this stuff? And the big thing that I kind of try to point out is we, we really need to really simplify this. So I, I don't know if I use the the quote from the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss, but he has a quote in there. It says, you know, what would this look like if it was easy? So what would building a course look like if it was easy? And the answer to that is, well, I probably just email some people I know, I'd get them to sign up and I give them, you know, I teach them what I know today. And for us, I think we ended up on a, on a two day, one or one and a half hour webinar each day, calling it a workshop. So we sort of dialed back. It wasn't this big thing where it's multi-module put online. You need a, eight-step launch program with a funnel to do it. Uh, and within you know a couple of weeks, we were moving towards it. So can you walk through us that, that process, a little bit of transitioning from a course to a workshop and, and how that looked from your end? Right. So this course that I wanted to build up was based on a course that I did in, in real life at my university. And I was struggling a lot with it because um, it was very interactive. And I was wondering, okay, well, how do you do a... How do you do a kind of course online that's self self guided, but is has all of the interactive elements that I had put into the workshop? And when you uh, mentioned just doing an actual kind of workshop online, it kind of all fell together. So we started with a two hour workshop, one hour each day, and uh, just used Zoom, which has a lot more features than I realized at the time to just do this workshop and we grew a, uh, a waiting list. And then uh, once I was ready to choose a date, we started letting people in. I got six people the first time and I've actually done it once since then and also got another six people. And what's great is each time you learn a little bit more about the technology and you also learn a little bit more about like what you're doing and what people want out of it. And so that helps with building future courses because my thought, um, and the way we discussed this was this wasn't the entire course that I had done for the university. It was just one module of that. And um, that means that I could build up a few courses uh, online that could all kind of work together. And it actually worked out really well as far as letting people help me to understand what they want to see and what the questions they have are, what the questions are after they're done with the first module. Um, but one of the things I loved about doing this online and actually doing the workshop instead of the course is I really got to interact with people. I got personal interactions with each of these people. They got to know me. They got to see firsthand how I solve problems that they have come up with. 
And I just found that really powerful. And so in a lot of ways, it actually made me not want to do a self-guided course and made me want to do more of these interactive workshops so that I can really take uh, the time to get one-on-one. And when I say one-on-one feedback, I mean people are drawing on their screen and I'm doing redlining or people are interacting with one another through breakout groups and then we come back together and I am giving them input on what they come came up with from those breakout groups. Like really things that you think of when you think of an in-person. Yeah, I like that a lot. And there's a couple points I want to highlight and emphasize there. Just looking through my notes on on you know designing this process and going through it. One of the big struggles that that you had and that a lot of people have is well, what should the topic of my course be? I think we narrowed down to maybe three areas. And and by the way, the courses um, on infographics, uh, creating, transitioning your science to infographic. Can you get, can you give me the name of the workshop so that the listeners have it? Yeah, the workshop is from science to infographic. I try to run it once a month, and um, it's the, the the whole point of it is to be able to take some science, either your science or um, a paper, condense that text down to enough that can fit an infographic, and then design the infographic around that text using visual elements and and the principles of design what a what a what a great course that's much better than you know design as an academic <laughs> period <laughs> like the or academic design 101 or something so the, so we mentioned there was multiple topic ideas though um we had all this struggle we don't have any of the infrastructure to snap together to to deliver a big course and you know, you go to invest money and time try to figure that out if you wanted. You're not sure people are going to buy at the end of the day. I mean, you haven't really tested any price points out, so you don't know what those should be. And you know, there's all these these issues around running a big multi-module type course right out of the gate. Do you pre-sell it and then create the course? Do you spend six months and create the course and pre-sell it? We came down to was was the system of prototype, sell, expand. It's really three steps. So let's do the smaller workshop first. Um, and it's really the workshop you can learn the hard stuff. So it's easy to create a course if you're not gonna if you don't ever sell it, right? It's easy to sit down and come up and outline some modules and stick content together. But if you're not gonna actually put the thing in the world, the hard part, then you know that's that's the hard part. So the hard part is getting people in, enticing them, building a personal brand, and then at the end of the day, getting a sale and, and you know delivering on that. If you take six months and create your course, you're never gonna do the hard part, and you may never come back and do it anyway. You may get too frustrated. But if you do this short workshop type approach, you did the hard stuff. So you actually create a waiting list. Then you get made an offer to that waiting list. You got people on board. And then you fulfilled, got great feedback, and now you're improving. So you can run, just like you said, now you can run one of those a month on that topic. You can also now test out any other topics you have. So the infomercial, the infomercial, <laughs> infomercial might be the next one. <laughs> the infographic, <laughs> um, you know, is only one topic, but you have the the toolkit now to be able to test this out on different topics. And sure, maybe you can start working towards a bigger multi-module course, but it can be one at a time. You're making money along the way. The course, I assume the course wasn't free? Correct. The first time I ran the course, it was $30. And the second time I ran the course, it was 35 So that is... Yeah, so that's around... That's about $200 a, a pop for running the course. So you can kind of run one of these a month and use it to test your business ideas out. And I mean, what a what a great skill to learn. Like if you could just impart that knowledge, 
Actually, maybe that'll be the next course I create. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the one-day workshop on creating a one-day workshop. Or something. Oh my gosh, that's a great idea. <laughs> uh, you heard you heard it here first. I'm I'm sure they'll 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 start popping up uh, here pretty shortly. But well, that's the point. Is if you if you prototype, you make it really small. You don't need to sign up for Teachable. You can deliver it on Zoom or you can deliver it on Skype or you know something that's really low cost. But you get to the hard problem, which is actually selling the the thing and then actually delivering on it at the end of the day. So I, I couldn't be more happy with how the course portion of the Accelerator program came out because that was your big goal. The big goal, I think, was 10 people at $20 a head. And you ended up now with six people at 30, which was ends up being the same monetary number, but you've also run it twice successfully now. And now you just have this tool that you can really deploy whenever you have the time to to do it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you know, sometimes I think that one of the reasons that we get caught up with, and I know one of the reasons I got caught up with the platform was, um, you know, these platforms make it seem like they help generate people. So they'll say, you know, we have this many people taking courses on our website and it really makes you feel like, oh, I can get access to those people. Um, but at the end of the day, no matter what website you choose, most websites are not actively generating people to your content. Most of them, it's about the platform and making it easy to create the course, not necessarily make it easy to find you. And so uh, I'm actually really happy with the way that I went in some ways because people aren't leaving my website to uh, to connect with me. And and I don't have to pay for, oh, well, I put it on Teachable, but I want a custom domain. So maybe that's going to cost extra, which I don't know whether it does on Teachable or any of these others as well. But I do think that there's something to be said for keeping the branding consistent um, and not expecting that if you pay for something, that that necessarily means that they're going to bring you customers. Just the way you describe that is just perfect. Um, and I learned that from a mentor I have, uh, James Shremko at Superfast Business. And he has a course from many years ago that he ran. And now it's sort of a staple topic in, in what he talks about. It's own little race course. So you don't really want to be creating these things on other people's platforms. You want to be creating assets for yourself. And running the course off your own website or your own, you know, you had full control. Nobody's taking a percentage cut, which I think Teachables is probably pretty big. Maybe they have an audience, but it's probably the wrong audience. It's probably not the, the you know the right audience for your course in the sense that maybe it's I don't know, it could be people that are are more needy in certain areas and you actually want to let in. Like you can you control the whole pipeline, the whole workflow, uh, the way you did it. And also many of these are so oversaturated that people, even if they have the the people and they somehow actively or passively try to get them into new courses. Most of them are so oversaturated with courses that you're still not going to find people very well, or the other way around, people aren't going to find you. How much better is it to, to build this off the audience that is your own personal brand the people that are talking about you at a conference when you're not there? Like it's, it's, it's just a no, a no brainer, but you got to do the hard work first, (laughs) which is reaching out to people and selling it. So I didn't want to turn to the kind of last part of this, which I, I promised that we get to in the end. And this is sort of the big bang. We talk about freelance income generation. And you you originally explained it to me as commission work. And I'd ask you what the heck is commission. I think that, that kind of comes from the artwork sort of background. Um, but about halfway through when we were working on this course and working on your personal branding, 
every week you'd come to me in the weekly call and say, Oh, we got, we got another, uh, another project on, on board for this type of art, science art. And uh, could you just walk us through that, that process a bit? Sure. So actually what I had wanted to do, um, and I'd been planning on it for a long time and just not doing it was one of these rotation curation or Roker accounts where you take over for a week and tweet from um, this account that already has a following. And so there was this big one called I am Psycom that I had been wanting to do, but I just was like, I don't know what to talk about. And, you know, I don't know when to do it. And Chris, you were just like, just go sign up tomorrow. So I did. (laughs) Yeah. So I did it. I signed up and um, that actually catapulted a lot of things. First, uh, during and after that Roker, um, several people uh, contacted me about doing commissions. My first commission uh, that I got directly from that was a commission to do six emojis, icons. Uh, And that was a $100 commission, which at the time I thought was a lot. Um, And it's not. And then uh, about a week later, I got another commission for someone who had a budget of $250. And it was for a graphical abstract for her upcoming paper. And uh, I, and she already had the sketch. It was just pretty much just taking that sketch and turning it into something bigger. And that was $250. And I was like, okay, well, I guess that's a reasonable amount of money, uh, which also that's not a lot of money. Uh, and so I ended up actually doing, um, for the six emojis, I think I ended up doing like 24 emojis and then for the graphical abstract i also i felt a little bad at the time because it was 250 dollars, and so i actually went ahead and animated a part of it as well so i got they got a lot for for what they paid for but because i was starting to get this interest i started getting some confidence which was good and i decided to go to some local places and see if anyone might be interested in what I did. So I just started going on websites and looking through what people had on their websites and noticing that a lot of people didn't have multimedia on their website and then emailing and saying, Hey, I noticed that you don't have this. Uh, Let's talk. And one of those people uh, emailed me back and said, that's great. Let's talk. And I went and I talked to him and he gave me a lot of uh, resources for the local area and then about a week after I talked to him in person, he said, hey, can you make an animated video? And I was like, sure. And he asked me for a quote. And I sort of had an idea of how much. I did some research online on how much to to charge. And I ended up charging a little less than $1,000 a minute. And so it ended up being a $2,500 commission, which also, just so you know, is a great deal for him because that's still rather low on the scale of how much a project like this should cost. But, you know, really we're talking about over the course of a few weeks, I went from my first hundred dollar commission to a $2,500 commission doing an animation. Yeah. It's amazing, amazing story. And I shared, so last time he told me that was the first time I'd heard it in that sequence. So I had a gigantic smile on my face, but we forgot to record that one <laughs> on this one. I have a slightly, maybe smaller smile because I knew it was coming, but uh, it's it's an amazing feeling to start to gain that confidence. And it's okay to really, so we always want to over-deliver, but I'm thinking in the first couple, you may have over-over-delivered to kind of overcompensate for, you know, just some 
the same feelings that we all have when we're we're starting out in this space. But getting you know getting contracts that are worth twenty five hundred dollars just shows really the power. And this was over you know a three month period. This is only a couple of weeks actually from the the first commission to the to the third big one. It's just you know it's really amazing to see. And you mentioned something there that we that I didn't really pick on but pick up on until right now, but that strategy of going and just looking at people's websites and offering to help them is a good one. And that's actually why I think thinking back, this is how guys end up in the accelerator program. He sent me an email and said grablog.com looks great. There's a couple of things, you know, on a on a development side that could be improved. It was this, this, and this. Um, I can just do these for you if you, you know, if you'd be interested. And it's like a no-brainer because I'm I'm really busy and the team's really busy working on stuff. It's like, oh well, yeah, that'd be great to have that fixed. And that sort of led to our relationship a little bit. You just really reaching out and, and just helping. And then of course when I started the accelerator program, it's like, well, who should I ask? I know somebody who's really gung ho and getting out there and putting themselves out there. Plus your work is amazing. Just when I went to your website and saw the animation and visual work. So that's a little hidden tip for those of you that if you're really looking to to find people. You know, do something for them first. I think that's kind of along the same lines of the commission where you're reaching out just saying, hey, there's something here that could really improve your your work. Mm-hmm. And I picked that up from the um, the graphic design community because um, I watch a lot of graphic design videos just to make, to keep up with the skills and to learn things new things when I can. And I was watching one recently and... I can't remember the name of them right now and I feel horrible, but um, I was watching, I, well, I was watching their, their videos and Erin Gipford is her name and she's a graphic designer. She does tutorials on YouTube. And one day she was saying, you know, how do I get jobs? And she said that if she was going to get a job, she would go, just go around looking. And if she had a pamphlet, from a company and she was like, I could do a better pamphlet for them. She would actually just go and mock up the exact same pamphlet they had, but she would improve it with uh, her graphic design skills. And then she would send it to them and say, Hey, look, here's a proof of something I could do that would improve some a product you already have that you're already printing and we should work together. And so I had never really thought of that before because a lot of the discourse in the art community is don't do anything for free, which I definitely agree with. But this isn't about giving away necessarily something for free. This is about showing people your value. And in general, when you show someone your value, you're showing them a portfolio. But a a lot of people can't, they either don't want to take the time to look through your portfolio and find something that they like, or they don't know how to extrapolate from your portfolio to see what you can do for them. And so I found it, I actually, I took what Aaron said and I thought about it from my, my science, kind of scientific standpoint and say, oh, okay, this makes a lot of sense because we're talking about showing someone something they already have but better. So you're showing immediate value to that person by being able to show them the, the not just your skill, but the value that you're going to give to their business, and so I just I thought that was a great tip from Aaron Gipford, and I uh, and I just wanted to share that I did not come up with this myself. What other tips do you have for people looking to sell their their art or sell their artist services online as a as a freelancer? 
So one of the things that I think that uh, we that we all need to do as freelancers is we have to be willing to promote ourselves. And so if I know it's hard, it was very hard for me to start posting on Twitter with links to my website, but no one else is promoting you. You have to promote yourself. That being said, you have to do it strategically. So you can't spam Twitter with posts that only and only post about your products because then people don't want to see that all day every day. So my tips for for tweeting is you can t- you can tweet how I don't know I, I tweet seven to ten times a day about my my work and I tend to balance that with lots of posts that are just me communicating with other people, engaging with other people. And I've, I've heard anything from 10% to 30% of what you put out there should be marketing. And so I tweet a lot and I have a lot of conversations. So I feel like seven to 10 is reasonable, but figure out what works for you. Um, but I also think that a lot of artists need to uh, understand that they need to take constructive criticism. The absolute best way to learn is to practice and then get feedback. And so I think that it would be great for anyone to find a mentor or a, someone to work with, uh, whether that's a paid mentor or a free mentor, so that you can do your work, send it out there, get feedback. And so that was really helpful in the accelerator program. You know, I was able to get some ideas of what to do, talk to Chris about it. Chris would always expand on everything. And then I would come back with, okay, here's what I did. Sometimes we delete stuff too. <laughs> yeah, sometimes we delete stuff too, which is fine. Which is fine, right? That's constructive criticism. That says this matters more than this. And sometimes you need that perspective. But you really do need that in order to grow, both as an artist and a business person. And then the last thing that I think is really important is a lot of people I've met on social media are really afraid to share other artists' work. And to me, the science art community is a community of people who all are trying to do similar things. We're all trying to communicate art, science better through art. And of course, we're all trying to find some way to make money doing it. It doesn't help you to make it seem like you're the only science artist in the world. People online know that you're not the only science artist in the world. And it's actually much better to share your work, go on the science art stream and share everyone else's work too. So I, as as much as I tweet my work, I probably tweet other people's work three times as much because first of all, people are doing some awesome work, but also it makes you look good to, to share other people's work. People get an idea of, okay, this is the different types of work that people do. They see you as an expert in the field because they're they're seeing a curated list of science artists. And what happens is they notice when you retweet things. And then they say, when they're looking for a, a science artist to do a project, they're thinking, who do I see a lot? Oh, I see this person. They retweet really great artists. They must really know what they're talking about when they're looking at science art. And also several of the jobs that I have gotten over time have been from other artists who said, who either just commission other artists because really like we all as science artists should love other science art, but also people just say, I'm just too busy for this. Do you want to take this job on? And I think that's really important because 
if if you don't like science art enough to tweet other people doing science art, then maybe you're doing the wrong thing. And also, if other people aren't tweeting your work, then if you start tweeting their work, they might tweet your work as retweet your work as well. So I really think that we need a better community. Uh, we need more community, and we definitely need artists retweeting each other um, and understanding that there's plenty of science out there for all of us to have plenty of work. And it's about us getting our stuff out there and promoting our work and promoting each other for all of us to be able to make a living doing this. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. And episode number three of the podcast, Causing a Ruckus and Creating the Change You Want in the World, I actually shared a story from a, a local individual here in Halifax that owns a company called Art Pays Me. Um, we had a chat at a conference and convinced me that I am indeed an artist because I run podcasts and create content and stuff. But the big point there is he's a fine art expert. And his big his talk that I watched him at this conference was all around how we don't need more starving artists in the world. How you know being a starving artist is great and living out of your car is kind of crappy. And you know, it's it's the problem is if you're never paid for your work, then you won't be able to expand and do more and better work. So I, I really enjoyed that presentation I saw. And you can check out episode three of the podcast where I, I tell that story um, and check out artpaysme.com. That's that image, individual's uh, website. It's really, really great work as well. But I think that's a bit about what guys is talking about there. You need to really be able to be confident enough to go there, put your art into the world, and then you know have an abundance mindset and also be able to just put yourself out there to accept you know, the rewards from the hard work that you're putting in. So guys, I think the the place we'll leave off is just where, what are your plans for your online business moving forward and what can people expect from, from guys, jagustus.com? So I definitely want to keep building my portfolio. I love working with scientists. I love working with creatives to create awesome science communication, but I also want to continue helping others do the same. So I'm going to continue doing my workshops and building out new workshops and helping others to create better visuals, whether they are artists or scientists or some or citizen scientists or whatever. Uh, but I've also recently gotten uh, this kind of drive to start an initiative to really build this, this community that I'm talking about. And this is a community where scientists, artists, and communicators all would be able to come together and find projects and get funding. And so the, the mission for this initiative, which is very new uh, as of this recording, so new that I don't even have a name for it yet, but uh, it's the Augustus something, right? <laughs> but anyway, the mission is to improve the value of art to science and science communication um, and really help scientists and writers understand the value that art brings to those those fields and to improve the accessibility and value of science to the general public through art because we know that there's some problems right now as far as why as far as people valuing science and in my mind art and is everywhere art is free and freely available everywhere but an artist did everything that you see that is art landscaping murals you know uh, all the like art that you see on the street, every ad that you see is done by an artist who gets paid. And 
those people get paid because they make those things accessible to more people. And if we can bring that type of accessibility uh, and value of science to the world through that, then that would be great. And so I have three main goals for this initiative. The first is to connect scientists and artists so that they can collaborate and do collaborative projects. The second is to help those scientist artist teams find funding for their projects. And then the third is to really advocate for science art in the science community and the science communication community. So really what I want to be doing a year, three years from now is work with all of these communities to really build up a community of people that all have a similar goal of getting science out there to the world, making it accessible, making it beautiful, and really helping this kind of community flourish. So hopefully that's where GaiusJAugustus.com is headed. Well, I, I know if you put your mind to it and you keep taking the kind of action, you know, the kind of massive action that you took during the accelerator program, that that will that will develop even faster than you could you could possibly imagine. And I know, you know, I know you'll be successful at, at setting your sights on that. So I'd encourage anyone to go check out guysjaugustus.com. Sign up for our guys' newsletter there. I'm I'm on the list. I guess I like to see what a what a well-designed newsletter looks like and not just text-based one like mine. But I'm sure if you sign up there, you can also follow along and he'll he'll let you know is this uh, this community and really something that's needed in the world keeps on developing. You can check out guys at guys Divifilius on Twitter and Instagram. We'll include links in the show notes so that people have spelling on that. <laughs> you can find them on uh, on LinkedIn as under Guys Augustus if you're looking for commission work. Again, check out guysjaugustus.com to stay up to date on on what's going on in this science and artwork, communicating your science world. So guys, I really appreciate you taking part in the program and I really appreciate you coming on the podcast, share your experience. Thank you so much. I've had a lot of fun. Awesome. So you've been listening to myself, Dr. Chris Cloney, um, and recently titled Dr. Gaius Augustus, talk about how to grow a brand and generate freelance income. This was a case study as part of the Grab Blogger Accelerator program. Uh, we had a really great conversation. We covered a, a lot of topics. I won't do the typical summary because we're, we're getting late on the, on the time. I don't want to hold you guys up, but I do want to say if you want the transcripts for this show, you can get from the show notes at grabblogger.com slash 14. We're going to put together a cheat sheet with these tips for being a freelance artist and selling your art online. I think we gathered seven or eight different tips and we'll include those at the show notes. You can get that there as well. The Grab Blogger Seller Program is currently closed at the moment. We're restructuring what the coaching is going to look like moving forward. Uh, but by the time this comes out, you can find out where we're, we're at with that at grabblogger.com slash coaching. And yeah, I look forward to seeing you there. So tune in till next week. I appreciate you listening to the Grab Blogger podcast. I'm really excited to share more stories like guys' moving forward, continue to help academics create their you know dent in the universe through online business. 